on today's episode, we'll be talking about end of season cleanup in the equipment room, different ordering processes, and getting ready for spring ball in terms of football, and then also the implications for other sports that equipment managers have to cover throughout the year. So here I am with Scott. Say hi, Scott. Hi, Scott. Yeah. And uh, Scott, let's go ahead and get into this and talk about, you know, what the processes are that you kind of went through uh, towards the end of the season, whenever you were wrapping everything up with football and just kind of how you approached it each year. Yeah, I think the biggest thing you get into when you come back is if you had a bowl game or a playoff game of some sort, you know, if you're talking NFL or, or, or even the FCS level or top tier FBS, you got a lot of stuff to clean up. A lot of times you're not finishing the year um, at home if you had any kind of successful season. So getting everything cleaned up, back where it's supposed to go, um, you know, making sure your jerseys are taken care of and not procrastinating anything on that just because there's not a game next week. I think that's a big part of it. And then a lot of times, like we see what's going on right now and uh, this time of year in Nashville, is you've got coaches' conventions that a lot of people are leaving the building, but you're still there. You know, you've, you've got a lot of stuff to do before you can really take any time off and, and try to regroup before all the spring stuff starts. So it's just getting things cleaned up, getting the equipment room put back together from wherever, you know, you finished up and, and trying to uh, get a final inventory on a lot of stuff. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that that I always tried to to focus on when we got back was, like you said, getting everything clean. Um, I always <clears throat> tried to go through our game trunks, get everything that was kind of year specific in terms of shirts, undershirts, all of that stuff, socks, because all that stuff changes each year and you order new stuff each year. So get all that counted up back on the shelf, see how much you kind of went through. Um, and then specifically with us, I know that we had our game loops for the guys. I didn't want to give them the game loop itself, the actual loop. So we just took everything off the loop as everything got clean, put it in their issue bin so that you could help out all the seniors, get all those guys squared away. Because a lot of them, uh, well, you know, a small amount of them might graduate uh, mm-hmm. at the end of this semester and head out. So they're going to want their stuff. And, you know, the the inevitable guys coming in wanting to get their helmets, jerseys, and all of that stuff, too, at the end of the season. So, mm-hmm. I think that's I think that's a big part of it. And then, yeah, like you said, giving away the, the game stuff that, that you really don't have a need for. It's not going to carry over the next year. But then, like you said, getting your trunks reset and then making sure your records are accurate. I think when the coaches get out for something, you know, like a conference or if they just take vacation at the end, if, if you end in a sense that the school is out, so players are gone, they're not on campus – all that's a perfect time as much as it's tempting to just take it off. It's a perfect time to really pull everything out, look at what you've got at the end of the season, kind of assess the damage and get your record straight. Um, Cause you know, we can, we'll get into the, the next part is, is you've got winter workouts coming up, you know, especially for football, it's you've got, and you've got transfers or, you know, now kids are graduating high school in December and going ahead and coming to college, that kind of thing. Those guys are going to need stuff. So if you've got to make any kind of orders or fill in because, you know, oh, we don't have enough large hoodies. These kids are going to need a hoodie, blah, 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 blah. You know what you've got and you kind of know where you stand there and you can go ahead and get that done so that when you do take a few days before players come back or before those freshman kids and transfers report, you know where you stand and you're not showing up, you know, the day before and be like, oh, crap, I don't have what I need. So just, just going ahead and, and getting it done um, earlier rather than later, I think, I think it sets you up to, to, be, to really get caught up. It gets crazy in season uh, 
and keeping those accurate records is, is kind of sometimes it's a whirlwind when you're on the road on a Saturday and guys are just coming up needing another head wrap and you're just throwing out skull caps, head wraps and all this stuff. And you're like, all right, let's go ahead and count that now that everybody's out of the room. <laughs> how, many, how, how many head wraps did I give out yesterday? Yeah. I mean, you kind of keep up with it during the season. And for me, it was yeah. writing stuff down and I would always have, you know, the student manager or whoever the assistant was at the time when I was, you know, at Cincinnati or Nevada was, it was me counting it up, but <laughs> you want to kind of keep a running total on it. But, when it really comes down to it, you're you don't have a really good idea of what all you have until right. the end of the season when there's not stuff going out the door pretty much every day. So, yeah. and then you know, leading into that, like you said, getting everything ready to go before you can take a few days off. I know for me, I always tried to go to AFCA. Um, I wanted to go meet with vendors, go see with yeah. people, because in my opinion, that's the time if you're going to be doing anything for next year. You're going to want to find out what might be new, what might be coming up, what you want to do coming into that yeah. in January as opposed to later in the year. Because once essentially June rolls around, I mean, it's you're you're a yeah. little late getting anything. You know, it's you're pressed on time. So right. you're looking at, like you're, you said, tough. you're looking at your budget. You're looking at how much money you have towards the end of the year. If you have a little bit of a surplus, you're going to want to get through that. Uh Buy anything that's essential because, you know, it's inevitable during the season something breaks, something wears out. So filling in you know, pads, sleds, anything like that that you might need. God forbid you have a coaching changeover where <laughs> they come in all, and <laughs> you have thousands of dollars worth of field equipment, but somehow it's all wrong. <laughs> None of it works. Or it's just, yeah. Hey, you guys have a five man sled. That's not the type of sled I want to use. Get me a different one. And then you got to figure out how to justify that. And hopefully your, you know, your coach is going to back you on anything whenever you're taking it up to the business office saying, hey, we need to buy this. And then all the scrutiny comes on you and it's why do you need this? And right. uh, it's about justifying things and making sure that if you are going over budget, there's a reason for it. So, yeah, uh, that was always the fun part. And I got to a university where the situation was that, you know, we were in a lot of need of, you know, more helmets and more shoulder pads. Well, obviously, if you're looking at buying a substantial amount of both of those things, you're looking at you know blowing the budget just on that. Never mind soft items. So I I kind of took it on a rolling year uh, plan where we did helmets one year, shoulder pads the next. Well, there were some budget things I was going back and forth with the business office trying to get you know an increase. And if I got the increase, the increase was going to go to you know buy X amount extra of the shoulder pads. And so there was a there was a waiting period, and I couldn't take care of it in January like I maybe wanted to. So you're talking about you go to a convention in June and you finally heard because, you know, the budget rolls over July 1. So they waited to the last minute, got it approved. So on July 1, you know, I'm making a huge order. I'm talking to my vendors at convention for the equipment managers in June. And I'm like, yeah, I got approved. Like, we're going to do it. They were where we were going to do it. But by the time they got it rolled into production, everyone else has already made orders. You know, there's a lot of reconditioning going on after spring ball that, that these guys are taking care of. So if you wait until June, you know, you may not get it. We didn't get the uh, about 10 pairs of shoulder pads until uh, like the middle of camp, middle of August. So it's, it's nice if you have the money, you know what your next year's budget is going to look like. There's no extenuating circumstances like I was in where we were waiting on something that you can, you can take care of it in January and talk to those vendors and just go ahead and get it done at AFCA. And, and a lot of times they're good about rolling out the new stuff at AFCA and not waiting till AEMA where 
there's going to be more equipment managers as a whole, I think, in mm-hmm. June at that convention. But you got to go ahead and roll that new stuff out so that the ones that are there, especially the big schools in January, can see it and go ahead and get their orders placed. Yeah, and you know, like you touched on reconditioning, that's a big thing. Um, you know, deciding whether to do the whole thing right away once the season's over and try and get stuff back, or waiting till spring ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that there are plenty of schools out there that have multiple helmets, and the way we did things. Uh, we could send off one set of helmets, two sets of helmets, because we had multiples to reconditioning just to get stuff mm-hmm. out of the equipment room, free up some space. And then as soon as spring ball was over, then you start getting all that stuff tagged up. And thank God for your, you know, Riddell shut reps or whoever else does your reconditioning because those guys are lifesavers coming in and, and helping us bag all that stuff up and get right. it out, get it out to their warehouses. And Well, and it's nice if you're a school with multiple helmets, you know, you may have a white and a black for example, and, you know, if white is your practice helmet and black you usually only wear in games, that's all fine. But, you know, if you can get the, you know, the blacks out as soon as the season's over, and then if you don't send the whites out until April or May when spring ball's over, if you're looking at, you know, these vendors as good as they are, everyone's sending them their stuff. So sometimes they do get backed up. Things happen. So if you're still waiting on a few, you know, white helmets, they're not back from reconditioning. If you knocked out the blacks in January – you know, at worst case scenario, you may not usually practice in them, but you've got stuff you can go into camp with and switch it back over to what you normally do once the rest comes in. Yeah, and it gives guys time to break in, quote unquote, game helmets a little bit at the beginning mm-hmm. of the season because, uh, you know, you, you want to get some wear in those guys. You want them to get comfortable in every helmet right. that they have. So it gives you that opportunity and then you can get it out of rotation as soon as you get your other helmets in. But that whole process in general of getting helmets in, fitting them, that's a whole nother, that's a story for another day, but. <laughs> yeah, it's a process, but it, I think the the big thing with off season, especially that January to May timeframe is the more you do early, the less you do later. And summer in the equipment room can be a really busy time. You're getting close to, you know, your football season, but not just that, your fall sports season. Mm-hmm. Um, so the more you do, on the front end, the less you'll have to do on the back end when things are going to pile up. It just, it happens every year. So just like you said, getting as much done as you can before you take time off or go to AFCA. I think, I think the big stuff too, reconditioning, um, you know, fill in orders, um, any kind of budget meetings that need to be had or, you know, uniform purchases. If you're doing a new uniform look, it all happens in this time frame too. And the more you can do early on, the, the better and more smooth that process will look on the back end. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, certain things come up and like you're talking about with budgets, you could be coming towards the end of a calendar year on a on a apparel contract. Some of those things might change. And uh, like you said, with uniforms, there could be some very drastic changes with yeah. what's available uh, if you're rotating things out because, you know, there's certain shelf life for, for uniforms for every school and everybody has a different philosophy on it. But when it really comes down to the brass tacks, you've got to be able to work into your budget and figure out what years you're doing stuff, what money you have set aside and having a uniform order. Do you want it to be on next year's budget? Do you want to be on this year's budget? Whatever it may be, place those orders accordingly. And then having to figure out also, and this is the the crazy part too, going into spring ball, you see a lot of position changes and, and yeah. guys, guys in different roles and guys doing different things. So, you know, you might have to adjust your equipment for these guys based mm-hmm. on what 
based on what they're doing. And uh, I always enjoyed sarcastically. Uh, <laughs> everybody wanted to change stuff, change helmets, change shoulder pads going into a new year, depending on the type of year they had. Uh, yep. you know, some people see that they're senior graduated, so you got a number change coming into spring Number ball changes and, are a big one. The helmets are always, you know, a big thing. So and so graduated. Let me get his, you know, this type of helmet. That's always the thing. The guys try to finesse there pretty quick. I mean, it's very football specific, but the number changes, I mean, that gets overlooked a lot, I think, from a fan perspective, is how much these guys change numbers. I mean, not just the turnover of a college football team. Um, even if it's a perfect world and you had no one transfer or drop out of school or get kicked off for any disciplinary stuff, if you're talking 20 seniors in and 20 freshmen or 20 seniors out and 20 freshmen in that's still 20 guys on your team that weren't there last year then if you put in the number of changes that guys are going to request because well i wore 44 this year but i want a number four that kid graduated coach told me i could have it so i mean that happens and there's a lot of implications what what people don't think about maybe is you go into spring ball kid changes like the example i used from 44 to four well maybe you know he was moving positions as well so maybe he was a running back wearing 44 and there was a safety that wore four so now he's moving over there and coach gives him four when i get two number fours on defense Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of things that go into it where you know guys want number changes or maybe he was already number four he's cool with his number but there's a position change so he goes to defense there's already that number so now you gotta figure out who's changing numbers because they can't be on the field at the same time i think i think that gets overlooked um and it's, it's one of those things that everything that you do in equipment, with football, with other sports, all that, there's, it's domino effect. There's always mm-hmm. moving pieces. It always affects something else. And you've really got to, especially in those off-season months when you don't want it to come back to bite you in the, when you're in season with any sport, you've really got to be five steps ahead of yourself. Just yeah, check. without a doubt. And even with that, with the number changes, so I think – Maybe you and I had talked about this separately before, but you have a guy who was wearing number 15. He's a safety who's probably 165 pounds, 175 pounds, a little dude. Yeah. He graduates. The next guy who wants to wear 15 is a defensive lineman who mm-hmm. is pushing 265, but coach says he can wear 15. Well, he's not going to fit in that Schmedium jersey that you got for, for your safety. Right. So right. Ha- having to figure out if you have a blank or a backup jersey to, to switch to him and figure that out. But, you know, to, to change subjects a little bit, speaking before we even get into spring ball, our workouts, mat drills, whatever you want to call them, yep. are some of the worst things in the world. <laughs> for, an equi- for an equipment manager standpoint. I Well, I mean, even the players hate them. But you look at it, it's a 6 a.m. workout for these guys. So they're getting up at the crack before of dawn. School. <laughs> yeah, at the crack of dawn, it's literal winter. Most schools do it outside. Now, if you have an indoor facility and you're lucky enough to do that, well, then good for you. But you know, when you're outside and it's freezing cold, and these guys are having to run around, and for us as an equipment manager, it's getting outside, setting up the drills, figuring out the flow of practice, quote unquote practice, and mm-hmm. just trying to to be there and make sure that everything runs smoothly. I don't know about you, but we had a coach. I had a coach at, at, you know, a school that I worked, where he would run the clock himself. So if he mm. felt that these guys weren't working hard, he would keep that clock running. So it was never, 
hey, three minutes at this station, five minutes at this station, whatever it was, it was whenever he decided to change it. So I had to stand outside with an air horn and just kind of be in his hip pocket the entire time. <laughs> and wait for him to say, blow it. <laughs> yeah. Or well, he would just stick his hand up and start making the air horn like a little mm-hmm. the little motion. Gesture. Yeah. And he would just, yeah. So Those are tough. There's a lot that goes into it, especially like I remember when I first started doing them as a student, it was like, you know, I need some cones, maybe a couple towels. You know, we'll be in a gym or we'll be outside in our cleats if the weather's okay. And, you know, we'll just, we'll do some basic stuff. Um, I think it's evolved a lot now that it's, you know, they want the big pop-up dummies. They want actual field equipment out there and they're doing more football specific, you know, drills where they're not using a football because NCAA says you can't, that's a practice, but you know, they're running through and and you may have like a station where they've got the pop-up set up and they're slapping them to the side like you would, you know, for the D line during a practice. So it's more football specific movement, but it's still, you know, you're, they're doing it at a fast pace. It's, it's like CrossFit football. I mean, everything you do is it's it's moving from drill to drill. It's high intensity. It's go go go. They're screaming at them. Like you said, it's early in the morning. Everyone's freezing. I uh, calling them out totally because I thought it was just. I mean, it was kind of funny. It's a good. It made for a good video, and it made for a good. Uh, if you want to call it recruiting tool, marketing tool, whatever. But I saw Georgia Tech last year. You know, they got a new head coach came in from Temple. They did their math drills, maybe not all of them, but at least this one for this video. They did it through downtown Atlanta. So they like oh. went outside of their facility. They had like pop-ups set up on the corner like of the street. They're running from like station to station through downtown. So it was like 5K, you know, workout. But I mean, it made for a cool video, but I was just like my first thought that no one thinks it was like those poor equipment guys. They're in a oh, pickup truck or a miserable. van with equipment at, at probably three thirty in the morning, driving around to these different locations to get this set up. Like, yeah, and then leaving a student at each location to make sure everything stays there because you never know. I mean, <laughs> hopefully with campus the, police. <laughs> yeah, like you're in the middle of a city. It's not like it's the middle of campus. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. it might be campus, but it's still a city campus at that point. And yeah, oh, that would yeah, be. No. That would be awful. I just I mean, if you go to your yeah. indoor, you set stuff up the day before. I mean, you can go set up in the afternoon and just leave it, lock yeah. the indoor up. You yeah. can't set stuff up on the corner of Peachtree and Fifth. And yeah, <laughs> just leave it. Ah, these these agiles, they'll stay there the whole time. Don't worry about them. No, some homeless <laughs> person's gonna be like, "Nice bed." <laughs> Heck yeah, that'd be great. The cool video, but yeah, I mean, little things like that. It's those those things that morning workouts. They're constantly because they do suck, and because they are you know, there to kind of break the guys a little bit and get them in shape before spring ball starts. Coaches are always trying to find ways to make them different, make them new. There's nothing worse than, you know, I mean, anyone who's played high school sports knows if you show up and, you know, Wednesday's the day that we do this run where we just run till we puke and there's nothing. It's just wind sprints, you know, mm-hmm. it, it kills you. So at least if you show up and you're like, all right, well, you know, we're going to play a game. We'd show up for baseball conditioning in high school. We'd play ultimate Frisbee or soccer. They do things that required a lot of running and it was a nice switching it up. We still got our cardio in, but it, it switched up. So coaches are doing that now. And often it does come back on the equipment guys as, you know, they think of more ways that they can keep it interesting. It usually requires more equipment or, you know, purchasing something different to use and, and, and keep it fresh. But he said, I mean, you're there early in the morning. No one wants to be there. It's miserable. No, and it's 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 really not a real mat drill winter workout until somebody's been over a trash can because you have to strategically place trash cans in between all of these uh, 
groups, I guess you could call stations. them stations. There you yeah. go, stations. Especially if you're inside. Yeah, because the guy's gonna be bent over. Yeah. You know, praying praying to Jesus to to stop stop the pain, but you know, it's, it's not like college kids ever go out late at night in the off season or anything before yeah. these workouts. That never yeah. happens. Never, because they're never showing up. Possibly still drunk from the night before, where they went to bed <laughs> yeah. at two o'clock in the morning, and they're waking up at five o'clock to get there. And yep, not, there's always yeah. a few kids that jog by, sweating profusely after one drill, that just reek of where they were last night. And you're like, yeah, yep. Yeah. Walk in smelling like a distillery, and coach knows it, and he's going to take full advantage of every opportunity to make them feel like garbage. Coaches love it. Coaches love that when they when they see that they love it. Oh. And my favorite thing, like you said, coach keeps the time more often than not. They decide when you rotate. My favorite thing was uh, I was at one school where you did all the stations. They broke them up into groups, so every station had one group, and then you'd rotate until you did every station. Well, after the last one, he would point to all the position coaches who were running those stations and he'd want a thumbs up or down on whether or not they did a good job. If any position coach, if any station put thumbs down, you went and you did another rotation. You did one more station and then he'd do thumbs up or thumb. There was times where we went back through it all one or two times. And if there was one group that just couldn't get it right, he'd make them sit in the middle Indian style and watch everyone run puking. They're all just looking at them, just mad, mad at their teammates. So there's little things like that. You usually get some of your more fun uh, butt chewings. Um, oh yeah, these guys in the, in the morning workout eating up. It's boot camp. I mean, it really yeah. it's boot camp, and it's so weird because you do boot camp for like two weeks, three weeks, however long the coaches want to do it. A couple times a week. There's not too many of them. Then they usually send them on spring break, and then when they get back from spring break, it's practice. So my always my thought was always, well, whatever conditioning you guys got in. Gone. It all goes on spring break, and then they come back, and they're still puking at, at the first practice. <laughs> yeah, because there's, you know, there's the two or three guys who are serious and 100 percent bought into the athlete life who go on spring break and continue to train the entire time. Yeah, those guys are a rare breed. You don't see them often, but everybody else, they get time away from life and being a student and having the absolute grind of being a student athlete they want to enjoy the most of that so yeah they spend their entire week just destroying their bodies it's always (laughs) the offensive linemen (laughs) yeah well yeah because they come back and they're immediately you know they go through warm-ups and they're sweating yeah it's like oh good this is going to be a fun practice the first couple (laughs) times so can't wait but i will say my favorite thing my favorite thing about mat drills though was the very end of all the mat drills because in order to keep these guys kind of interested and motivated, uh, I, I was at some, you know, probably two or three different schools where they had a competition, right? So they broke them up into teams. Yeah. So they did the actual morning workout as position groups, but then they broke it down into their, into their individual teams. And there was usually, mm-hmm. I don't know, between four and six teams, depending on how big of a roster you had at that point from guys who had graduated. And, you know, you end each day with, tug of war or tire pool or some relay type of race. relay race something to you know sled pushes those were always yep. the those oh, were always the fun. tough ones yeah the sled push relay race oh yeah it goes back to middle school it's like yeah. everyone when you get done sit down so we know that yeah. you're done with your with your lap but 
they get intense. The guy, it really breeds good, healthy competition amongst themselves. And usually there's some kind of incentive. You should probably get into like, okay, a winning team gets like a nice Nike backpack or something. Like there's usually a pair 100%. of shoes, something. There's usually a, like we've done at places where everyone got a, a morning workout like T-shirt and then their team name was on the back. So you knew which team they were without having to look at some kind of roster. But it did. It made it more enjoyable for us to watch. So I'm sure it was more enjoyable for the guys to participate. Yeah, I mean, you you spend all that time grinding and and trying to figure out what your sense of accomplishment is, as opposed to just getting better. And right. it gives them, like you said, it gives them something to fight for. And if if it's a hat and a backpack, or or you know some some different shirts or a, a pair of sweats that none of the team got, I've yeah. even done incentives where. Players always wanted some of the stuff the coaches got because, I mean, you want to hook up your coaches nice. and give them like a give them a nice pullover or something. I would order some some of those pullovers for the the. I mean, we didn't know what it was until that team was decided in terms of like what your size breakdown was, but right. we would do we would do an order for them just. But yeah, those those incentives are always nice. Um, I think it makes it a little more enjoyable. But like you said, you get you go, you do it. You come back and it leads right into spring ball, which kind of has the same vibe of like, why are we here? A lot of guys will load up more on, on classes, so they're a little distracted. Um, so I've seen some competitions carrying a spring ball. If you're not competing for a, a starting spot, um, then it's it it's nice to have the extra incentive. I've always said that it's not everyone um, who has that, that right motivation. So sometimes coaches, it's hard for 18 to 22-year-olds who you know maybe not are hyper focused or you know really matured yet it's hard for them to see you know a workout in february and relate it to a national championship game in january you know mm-hmm. this, we got to do this now because in 11 months we want to be playing mm-hmm. and and you know there's there's the guys who are at the top of their game you know i would say tom brady probably never had a problem uh staying focused year round but there really is um guys who who need that extra motivation just to get the work in and, and then they'll see the benefits when the season comes around where I think there's probably a, a good number of college kids too, who, like you said, they go on spring break and they're still working out because it's February or March, whenever your spring break is. And they're thinking about, you know, playoff runs. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's one team at the end of every year that gets to celebrate. Yeah. Um, I know on the on the BCS level it's a little different if you win your bowl game and all that, but FCS where I kind of have my roots, I spend a lot of time. Mm-hmm. You have one team at the end of the year that gets to celebrate, and they're the national champion. They're crowned the best team in the country, and everybody wants to be there. Everybody wants to do that. So it all starts with you know the the ridiculous winter workouts and the pointless spring ball. You got to get guys mm-hmm. that that maybe didn't get a lot of playing time during the year, time to learn the system, time to get acclimated with being a player at this point because yeah. the person that was playing in front of them graduated or the person that played in front of them is hasn't been performing well enough and you got to get in there. Um, I've always hated spring ball. It's just my por- personal point of view. I think that you run the risk of getting guys hurt and it is inevitable that a star player across the country gets hurt during spring ball. That's mm-hmm. the risk you're kind of. It's a risk you have to take. I get it, but I, I only feel that there are certain situations where spring ball is the most beneficial, and that's coaching changes and yeah. 
if you have a player like a quarterback, if you graduate your quarterback, you're going to need to get some playing time, practice time with, you know, your new system. Yeah. I think, I think that's a big one. Um, I hate, part of me hates that, you know, these kids are, and it's their decision. A lot of times I feel like they may regret it later on, but these kids are graduating in December from high school and going and going to college. I see the benefits to not having your, first real semester because a lot of them take summer classes which at every university is different it's just abbreviated um but i think there's something to be said about your first full semester you know a january to may type semester or august to december i think it's there's some benefit to doing it when you're not in season specifically talking football here yeah um if if you're talking about their first full semester is while they're in season competing for a job trying to win games i think that puts a lot of strain on a college freshman so i see the benefit in them coming in in january and and going ahead and and knocking that first semester out but i just hate thinking about them missing like senior prom or or just you know that last semester with all their high school friends like I i don't know if they would end up regretting it later but if you're bringing those kids in early you can't deny the the benefit to having them going ahead and getting 15 solid, you know, practices in, in the spring before rolling into, you know, August 1st is their first, you know, college practice. They've been working out all summer. You know, they've been um, hanging out with those guys all summer, but to have 15 practices in the spring and kind of know what they can do and know their makeup and know what it is. And then they go get strong all summer and they come back and can actually put the time in. I I think that's, that's a huge benefit. But if you're a sophomore, especially our junior, and you're buried on the roster, how much effort are you putting in in the spring? Like, if you know you're not going to play, that I think that's where the biggest challenge is for coaches is getting those guys motivated. Yeah, I mean, you, you've you've seen it. You see it across the board where there are guys who are just not motivated. They they went into a season going, you know, expecting to play a lot. Maybe they got benched early and they didn't get get a chance to get out there, and they feel they're getting slighted and then that's where you see guys start transferring and entering the transfer yep. portal which we've talked about but it's it's a difficult situation it's tough for coaches they want to get as much of the system and getting back to fundamentals working on the basics really during spring ball is what you see you know learning relearning the route treats maybe yeah. implementing new parts of your offense if you want to change some things up or and or defense but Well, yeah, and I will say another thing that I hadn't thought about until just this moment because we've talked about spring ball, you know, off air a few times and and just over the years. But, you know, I did see um, a lot of injuries have happened during the season. So a lot of times in the spring, you've got a lot of guys out um, for surgeries and other things like that. They got to recover. They're doing rehab. Um, so one thing that I have seen that's really beneficial from spring ball is sometimes you may have one running back or say you've got three corners and you're just killing those kids with rotations, trying to actually have a practice that you're like, you know what? We've got 10 wide receivers. We're going to move this freshman who was buried on the depth chart. We're going to try him at corner this spring and just see what he can do. Or, you know, we've got this linebacker that's pretty quick. I think he's a little undersized. We'll try him at running back. Mm -hmm. I think that kind of thing ends up possibly helping you out. I mean, Coach Munkin, you know, we were at Georgia Southern together. His first year, I know he came in in the spring and he moved a third string long snapper, fifth string tight end, just moved him inside to tackle. And the kid became an All American his senior year. 
So little things like that, you can kind of see guys' athleticism and, and see if, if putting weight on them and or taking weight off them is going to be good for a position change if, if they've got any kind of skills to do it. And um, I think you can get get that out of a spring ball. But really, if you're looking at it from an equipment standpoint, it's just a lot more work. It's just more work, especially there are the majority, I will say, the majority of equipment managers across the country, the guys that work football also work other sports. And they have spring sports that, you know, you're coming in for baseball, lacrosse, yeah. softball, men's women's golf, men's women's tennis. While a lot of those sports can kind of take care of themselves and they're very uh, minimalistic in what they need in terms of help from us, there's still help that's needed. So yeah. trying to find trying to find that balance between getting up at four o'clock in the morning to get into the equipment room and get everything ready for winter workouts, you're still working a day until five, six, seven o'clock at night, depending on what's going on in the equipment room and within the athletic department. So uh, it's really, really about trying to find that balance and trying to find the the best way to make sure that the spring sports that are in season that are truly in season while football mm-hmm. is a season that's about 11 months out of the year yeah every, everybody else is still playing their sport so trying to find okay. the time to to make sure that they have everything they need also you know helping out with their laundry making sure that their uniforms are ready to go uh their you know field equipment whatever it may be uh and god forbid you have to pr- uh share uh the practice field or you know, at, yeah. Rich, at Richmond, we we practice on our game field, and lacrosse practice on our game field, and men's and women's lacrosse practice on the game field, and so there was there was balancing issues in terms of trying to figure out who gets the field when, and yep, really trying to keep the coaches in season happy because they would always be pissed off if football was like, oh, we want to practice this time, and they're like, we don't care, mm-hmm. we're in season, you're not, so. Montana State, that was a big struggle because we didn't have an indoor, but we had a very nice big uh, field house, you know, basketball gym that doubled as like a rodeo space. I mean, it, they had like a ro- they, the rodeo team was there. They had a rodeo there every year. Um, so it was a very open area. So the court could come up and go down. There's a lot of um, they did a lot of like Broadway type shows and stuff there. So it, the facility staff was really good about it. Um, getting it switched over for shows, indoor track, whatever, but they would just pull the entire court up and we'd have morning workouts there where it got tough was if they had a basketball game that night, mm-hmm. not just, you know, I mean, that, that goes to show the, the effects on someone else. They would rather us be in there than them have to clear off, you know, the football field, plow it and do all that stuff from all the snow that was there in Montana in February. Yeah. Imagine. Uh, but then not just tough on them. Um, because they've got to be there super early to get the court pulled up so we can do our practice. Then they've got to work a whole day and wait for us to be done and put it back down, because a lot of times basketball teams will do a shoot-around if there's a game that afternoon. The visiting team will come in and do a shoot-around around lunchtime. You know, Our team will do one. Then you've got a game that night, and then if we wanted to do back-to-back workouts or something, they may be pulling it up that night afterwards. Mm-hmm. Where the same for us as equipment you know, if you're like you said, you're working on multiple sports and there's things in season, February morning workout. Toughest thing I've done was a 5 a.m. morning workout, gone in, worked a full day of just, you know, a random equipment stuff, things you're getting done, getting orders ready and, and just for other sports and, and managing other stuff. And then worked a basketball game that night because, you know, we had different duties. We had to be there for visiting team towels and 
you know, we provided drinks and things like that. So we're there. Basketball game didn't start till seven. There was a women's game at like five. It was like a doubleheader. It's like a women's game at five, men's game at like seven, seven thirty, whenever it got done. So we were there at you know, four thirty AM for the morning workout. Didn't leave till, you know, close to midnight once you got laundry and stuff going. And then it was back in, you know, the next morning for a regular work day, and then you got to do it again the day after. That can be a challenge, but it's important to you know, spread yourself thin and make sure you're all in on all the duties you have to do because like we've talked about off air, every sport, especially in season, needs to feel like they're the most important. You can't let, you know, I mean, you, you'll get some resentment, but also it's not fair to those athletes and those coaches if everything runs around football and you're constantly doing things. It's like, well, I can't do that for you because it's March and football wants me to do something. Yeah, exactly. And then being able to, to talk to your football coach or maybe your your DFO is the guy who can get in and talk to your coach and just be like, hey, you know, Scott's going to take care of this, but it's going to take him an extra day to get everything ready for it because there's two basketball games, a baseball game, right. and a men's lacrosse game all here this, this night, and he's going to have to focus on getting all them ready for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that it also depends on the, the school that you're working for. You know, some, some schools have the equipment staff, full-time yeah. guys that – can spread out amongst all those sports where it could free you up to, to take care of football stuff or when you're at a smaller school where there's two full-time people and a handful of students that only work their specific sports, then you really have to manage your time well. And it's a lot of time management and figuring out when you need to be where and doing what. It's, that's a huge part of it, and I will say it, 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 unfortunately, the majority of schools, I'd say, because there's a ton of football teams, especially across when you get to FCSD2 and stuff like that, they don't all have a bunch of full-time help. Like you said, a lot of places, football equipment guys are doing more than that. Um, it There's nothing better than when you do pull a day like that, and you're it's crazy and whatever, and you show up for work that next day if, you're, if you worked 18 hours, whatever it is. And, you know, the basketball coach or somebody comes in and is like, I know you're there for morning workouts. That's tough. Let's go across the street. I'm going to buy you a breakfast biscuit. That, that Just a simple thank you. Someone acknowledging what you're doing goes a long way. You may not get, you know, any kind of overtime or you may not get a bonus for doing all that stuff. But if someone says, hey, you look like yesterday sucked. Yeah. Thank you. Just the thank you go, goes a long way. It, not just for equipment guys, but for facilities. I mean, we would offer to help pull up the basketball court and the usual answer we got is like no you're not going to break my basketball court don't touch it but (laughs) (laughs) but just just you know being there and be like i know this is not what you want either and and i've been lucky enough that the places i've been at the coaches have usually been understanding so you have a conversation with the coach or dfo and hey this is going to take a little longer you know i got this this and this to do for other sports they're usually come back and i the what i've gotten is i get it you know we're not the only sports here so it's march and we're football like Mm -hmm. you know Thanks for getting it done at all. So yeah. that, that goes a long way. But like you said, it the spring, especially because other sports are going on, but football does not stop, um, is a juggling act. And I've always felt like in season, I gave a huge amount of attention to football because you have to. It's the most labor intensive for equipment. Um, and, and, and it's, it's kind of lopsided when, when you look at the other sports and what you're doing in season for football. You don't ignore the other sports, but they are definitely put on a back burner. Just is what it is. Mm-hmm. So trying to make sure they're more taken care of in the spring when they're in season and, and football's not is is an absolute necessity. Yeah, and then 
on top of all of that, that entire balance of everything, then Pro Day rolls around. Yeah. Then then you get slapped in the face with a, with a Pro Day. I mean, you've got recruiting in February, mm-hmm. signing day. So January and February recruiting. Then morning workouts start. Then, well, you know. Well, don't, don't forget, anybody that qualified for a senior bowl, you got to get all their stuff packed up and sent out to them. And then you yeah, always send them all. Shit. Yeah, you send them all with extra stuff. Yeah, always. And then, then it comes, you know, you start your practices. You know, you're doing reconditioning like we've talked about. You're worried about orders. You're worried about other sports. You do your spring practices somewhere in there. It always differs because a lot of it depends on the schools around you. You don't want to have a pro day the same day as if you're a small school at, you know, whatever tech in North Carolina, and then you've got the University of North Carolina. If their pro day is on Saturday the 15th or whatever month, you're not going to do yours on Saturday the 15th of that month. You may do it on Friday. You know, you're going to try to – so somewhere in those months, you're going to have a pro day, um, and and then you're going to have more reconditioning, whatever you hadn't sent out at the end of spring. I mean, that stuff does not stop. No. On uh, a junior day. I didn't even talk about that. Oh, God, junior day. <laughs> junior days are just – For people who don't know, the last school I was at, I think the last junior day I participated in – it's they usually try to do it around the spring game because they want kids to come and see, you know, a glorified scrimmage in the stadium. <laughs> they try to get a few fans there. Sometimes you'll have like a spring equipment sale where you can buy old uniforms or clothes or whatever, shoes, cleats. And it's a perfect time because you're trying to make it this big atmosphere as close to game day in April as you can. And you'll have a junior recruiting day where you'll bring juniors who are rising seniors onto campus and you'll do a big equipment spread for them. Let them walk through the locker room, get a tour of your facility, see all this gear. Um, You know, there's always presentations. They're hosted like it's just a big deal. And the last one I did, we were it was the morning of our spring game when we still had to put out jerseys, put jerseys on pads get the helmets, you know, finished decal, like all the mm-hmm. stuff ready for a game day. And we brought in 150 juniors to walk through. And then, you know, there's supposed to be a bunch of coaches telling them not to touch anything. And we had jerseys just hanging up so they could just see them. We hadn't put them on pads yet. And then, of course, what do they do? A bunch of them, you can't watch 150 kids at once. They're supposed to keep moving and walk all the way through. A few of them saw the number they wanted to wear, so they stopped, you know, put it on, got deodorant stains all over it. and or, take oh, your picture, bro. Got to flex on them. Yep. Oh, going out onto the field in it, because our, our locker room was right next to the field. We had kids that were uh, putting on their buddy's jersey. I'm like, you know he's got to go put that on in like three hours. You're sweaty. You've been walking around a college campus all day. Come on, man. So we're in there like trying to rinse and spin and knock off deodorant stains before we put jerseys on pads right before the team shows up. Yeah. Just little things like that. Um, but junior days are a big deal. Um, the bigger the school you're at, the bigger the deal they are. Mm-hmm. And it's always at the worst time for the equipment staff. Yeah, and then, you know, there, chances are they're there for the spring game, so they bring them all down on the sideline too for the spring game. And so they're yeah, there yeah. Clutter, cluttering up your sideline, cluttering everything up and – all you want to do is just make sure that this little impromptu, well, I say impromptu, but scripted scrimmage goes well and you need all your headsets set up and coaches are angry about something always. So don't lose any footballs to these guys just walking around the sideline because you got a lot of scrimmages. They do, you know, usually individual drills and stuff like that before. Oh, yeah. If, if, if nothing else, they do a pregame, you know, 45 so you, minute pregame ritual. Um, so you got to have your season. 
your station set up for all of that too. And then, yep. yeah, inevitably there's two juniors deciding that they want to be, you know, cool guys and they pick up a ball and start throwing it around. I'm like, hey, I don't think so, Chief. Give it back. Or it always runs into those, uh, they start walking up into the stands, actually watch the game, and you see a couple kids that, you know, are, are going to be offensive linemen at your school, and they're 5'10", 160 pounds as juniors, and they're walking <laughs> in the stands with a football, and you're like, nah, I don't think so, Chief. Footballs yeah. are 100 bucks. People don't realize that. Footballs are $100. College footballs are not cheap. You must not have had a great deal then. <sighs> Wilson, <laughs> what are you going to do? Uh, no, but, but, well, and then my favorite thing is too, so that you, you do your presentation with these, these kids, but all their parents are there too. So you're there fielding a hundred questions from yeah. Jim, Jimmy's mom and dad. Well, what does my son get or how do, how do I get it? How do I get a Jersey? And I was like, well, we're doing a spring sale in outside, yeah, outside <laughs> at the, at the spring game, or you can buy one at the bookstore. Well, what, what if it's not as numbered? I'm, I'm not, not placing. Yeah. I'm not placing. I'm not placing an order for your son. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> for you, for your son. Like it's right. not happening. I think the uh, the parent questions are always fun, but it also like as annoying as some of those questions can be. How much gear I get? Well, whatever your son gives you. Well, what's he get? You know those those are kind of annoying, but the good ones are when they come in and they say, "Hey, you know what are what helmets do you have? How oh, does he Jesus. get his helmet? What how does how does he get his helmet?" What's safe about the helmets? Like, are you guys reading up on this stuff? Because they don't know anything about it. So well, when they read the Virginia become, Tech study, I read an article that said right. this helmet's the best. No. But I appreciate when they come and they want to talk about the safety of their kid. Because that's where I feel like I can shore up parents on a kid because I'm going to talk to them about safety. And I know a lot more about it than, than they do because I'm in the business. But I like that parents are just, you know, my kid wants this helmet because he says it looks cool. Will you give him that? I, that annoys me. But if a parent comes up and says, well, I want my kid to be safe. What can you do to keep my kid safe? I like having those conversations. Yeah, those are, I mean, it's a good conversation to have. But at the same time, whenever a parent comes in and is asking me about helmets, I'm more than willing to talk helmets all day. I could literally talk helmets all day to people. And right. that's, that's something that, as an equipment manager, you better be passionate about. And you better absolutely be very learned on it. So I had a, a kid come in whose um, dad came in with him when he reported for camp and his dad uh, went up to one of my student managers and handed them the shoulder pads and said, these are too big for him. And that was pretty frustrating. I mean, I think you can probably guess where this went. The kid wore the shoulder pads. Um, yeah. Shocker. <laughs> but, uh, but those, those parents are frustrating, but at the same time, like it's, it's, I think it's much better to have that problem than to have, uh, you know, parents who are not thinking at all about their kids' safety. But, yeah, so, I mean, junior day aside, that's another thing. It's a busy football schedule in the spring, Hmm. so that's a lot going on. Now, if you take football out of it, you talk about basketball, you know, March Madness is, um, what month is that? March. Hey. So that's in the spring. Uh, baseball season kicks off in February, I think, uh, usually. Yeah, February, and it runs usually till about June. Yeah, if you, it, I think, I think the World Series might even be like late June or July. Yep. Um, which I think a lot of equipment guys probably just send their teams off. They may not have to travel. Um, yeah, usually there's like a, a, a person attached who's kind of like a manager, a team manager, and he helps. Yeah. Or but she. if you're still playing, um, 
into the summer. I mean, you're talking about start a sport that starts in February and you got laundry duties and, and baseball is no joke. Baseball laundry is up there with football laundry where you're talking about clay and grass and everything else. No, so, tur- I mean, turf burn. Turf burn. But the, the I mean, basketball, you can think about basketball. Those, those guys and girls usually don't get as dirty. Funny enough, girls, uh, basketball laundry is usually tougher than men's with, with uh, makeup. But mm-hmm. It's 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 pretty simple when compared to grass and clay stains and turf burn and things like that. So you're talking about in the middle of, of all that we just talked about with football, you could have a sport like baseball who, you know, even if you don't have to be at the games or, you know, give any time to them, at the very least on the weekends, you've got laundry to do, stains to get out. Uh, there's some scrubbing going on. There's some late nights. There's some early mornings. There's that kind of thing. So – like we said, you got to make every sport feel like they're the most important, and especially because baseball is going to have winter workouts of their own that happen during football season. They may even have a few scrimmages that they set up with other schools or, or, or things like that. So they've got some stuff going on in the fall that you're not putting a whole lot of attention to um, because they're out of season and, and you've got football to worry about. So it's important to make sure that not only do they feel valued in the spring, but if you you know half-ass their laundry in the mm-hmm. I mean, on weekends, you, the last thing you want is they're all whites to to be dingy and cream by the end of yeah, the year. Exactly. And then you're having a budget conversation with a coach about, well, we need to get new uniforms. Well, those were only a year old. Why are they so bad? Mm-hmm. Uh, I was busy with football. We had practices on Saturday, so I really didn't put much effort into your uniforms. Yeah, I wasn't, treat, wasn't treating the uniforms properly through the laundry process. Yeah. But th- then you have, you know, God forbid you have a conference tournament come through and then you're having to worry about laundry for the other school that comes in because that's the, I mean, in yeah. terms of equipment managers, that's the right way to do things. You help out as much as you can. And what I used to do is left it up to the team if they wanted to, some of them wanted to pay, some of them wouldn't pay. It's whatever. I don't care. But if they wanted to pay, then I would have a student manager do it just to give him a couple extra bucks on the side mm-hmm. that I don't know if it's legal, but don't tell anybody, please. Thanks. Um, <laughs> they filled out all the appropriate tags and remain. Exactly, that's what they're supposed to do. Right. Um, but you know, it's that much more of a strain on your equipment room if you're then worrying about laundry for three, four other teams, whenever that is they're playing. And so we we did that this year. I mean, we, I was at a school that was lucky enough to have uh, five full time equipment managers, and we just kind of let the baseball guy worry about. Um, his team that was in the tournament and all the other teams that came, uh, we split them up and we were all, you know, we'll take two teams. We'll each take two teams, whatever it is, and we'll do them. And, and um, those teams really appreciated it. I mean, they were charged, but they really appreciated it because some of them, I mean, some of these smaller schools may not have someone dedicated doing their baseball laundry. It may be just a student who's the team manager who also hits fungos during practice or mm-hmm. you know runs out there collecting balls and stuff like that. So they've got other jobs that they help the team throughout stuff. They're not just a dedicated equipment guy. They may be tasked with laundry, but no one's ever showed them how to do it. So we were doing stuff um, – for some of these teams and they were saying that it was cleaner than it had been all year. There were some stains that luckily weren't set that we got out that had just been there all year and stuff like that. So th- it went a long way and it was appreciated, but it's that level of service you do have to, to provide if, if you're hosting someone, be a good host. Yep. But yeah, that, I mean, that goes in, goes into the schedule, just wrapping that up. I, th- I, th- I think it's a lot um, when you just look at one sport in the spring, but if you're talking about, um, most equipment managers, they're dealing with 
a lot of sports uh, in the spring, and they all have different schedules, but they also all have different needs. And, and I mean, we we didn't even hit on track. We didn't hit on, um, like you said, lacrosse a little bit. It's similar to football, where where their competition and the field and everything else. But there's so much going on on top of um, a conversation for another day. But you know, getting orders in, mm-hmm. getting budgets done, and just getting all your administrative stuff caught up because believe it or not, as busy as this sounds, this is your least busy time of year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's your off season quote unquote and wrapping up budgets. Cause you're trying to get ready for the end of your fiscal year, which ends in June and you need to get ready for your new year. So you want to know how much money is left, how much you have to spend if you want to spend it. Because then you can prep for the next year. And that's one less thing you have to buy the next year. And then that leaves you that space for whenever anything comes up throughout the year. But yeah, you've got to wrap up your budgets. You've got to figure out what's going on with spring ball, winter workouts. Try and build a schedule. I know know, the the calendar on my computer was my favorite thing in the world because then you could really put everything in. Figure it mm-hmm. out. I had the big desk calendar too. That was sitting oh, yeah. right in front of me that I could write the stuff out. But yeah, I mean, it's you really got to figure out what your priorities are in the off season. Attack what's the most important thing each day, and every single day that you do this, you're going to find something that you couldn't get done that day, mm-hmm. and it's going to be left for the next day. But that's just kind of part of that business and how you need to approach it. You have to understand that you're not going to be able to do everything in a day. Nope, you're never going to get it done in a day, and and keeping lists is is a big thing. Like we said, doing as much as you can on the front end so it doesn't build up, because like we said, there's always going to be more. You're not going to be able to get it all done in a day. So if you take care of things that you could take care of in January, you're not kicking yourself in May, June, July. Dang, if I would have just knocked this out, I could have done this earlier. I didn't have to wait for anything. I could have got it done. I wouldn't have to do it now. Because there's things that are going to come up in May, June, July that can't be done until that time period. So getting what you can get done early is 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 a huge thing. Like you said, calendars are super important, and uh, it'll it's inevitable. It's going to happen every day where you're going to realize you've got something going on. It ends up being more complicated than you thought. You know, time gets away from you, and then you get a ding on your phone. It's a calendar reminder from your computer, and it's saying you have a meeting in 30 minutes, and you're you know, out cleaning out, you know, the practice equipment shed, you're drenched in sweat and you've got a budget meeting in 30 minutes and you're like, great. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, Those (laughs) are my favorite getting up, getting up in front of the business office, getting up in front of your administration, going and talking to them, letting them know what's going on. They want to know they need to be involved in all of that, especially sport administrators as well. Wanting to know what you spent your money on this year. Mm -hmm. If, if you burnt through your budget before the end of the year, before spring ball even rolls around, you need to get up and talk to that person, figure out why. Um, you know, just every little thing, you really got to cover all your bases and then even figuring out stuff with the weight room and your training room. Yep. You know, your strength staff and your your training staff, they're very, very important, just as important as we are in the mm-hmm. equipment room. And making sure that whole support staff's on the same page so that we can provide the best for the student athlete is is kind of my priority our priority so right it's it's a beautiful blend of you know the service industry and it's it's equipment management is is this nice blend of your manual labor but you're also you know a high level administrator because you're taking care of sometimes hundreds of thousands if not millions of dollars in in you know athletic budgets 
and you're taking care of all this money, you're spending so much money, and you've really got to be professional. You've got to be, you know, good with your business side of things, and you've got to be able to have these important meetings and 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 know what you're talking about. But you've also got to be able to go out there with a drill or a wrench or something and and build a football, you know, a lev sled or something. You've got to you've got to toe this line of of both. So, and that way it keeps you on your toes and it, it keeps it fun. And you really get to if you can't decide between do I want to go into manual labor or do I want to be some kind of administrator, you can do both. Yeah, <laughs> be an equipment guy. It's a job for you, and you get to wear gym <laughs> shorts and a t-shirt to work if you really want to. So there's that positive side of things too. So yeah, perfect. <laughs> but. I think that's probably going to wrap it up for us today, though. So, uh, yeah. you know, obviously there are plenty of things we could keep talking about, but, uh, you know, we really kind of got a good broad coverage of, of really what's what it's like during the winter and spring times or especially football equipment, but mm-hmm. uh, and how that balances with other sports and just really what what it looks like in terms of how we should plan things out. If you and have we'll anything else to add there. We've teased everyone with, with budget stuff today and, and kind of those summer months and what that all looks like. But we'll be back with that. Don't worry. We won't leave you on the edge of your seats. And yeah, uh, I know you're very thrilled to hear about budget <laughs> yes, stuff. Yes, yes. Talking I about mean, money is always our favorite thing. I know. Budget stuff, we may have to you know just kind of tease everyone and, and really get the excitement going. But no, I think, I think that this was a good coverage of those months. There's obviously things that... You know, there's other equipment guys that may hear this and be like, oh, you didn't even hit on this. There's so much. And and we covered as much as as we could without this being too, too long. But it's it's all leading up to, you know, the summer months, which all leads up to the in-season fall months. And it it's all connected. It all is, is nonstop. And I think this is a good, because we're in January now, I think it's a good time to talk about what's happening in the next few months and how that's going to connect to everything else later on in the year. Yeah, and it's not like we can't come back and readdress this if anybody's like, hey, you guys missed some glaring stuff here. Let's go ahead and figure out why um, yeah. we were dumb and didn't talk about it. And then I'll come back and say that's my fault. So, Well, we're very dumb. So I'm sure that someone will hit us up on something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that's going to do it for us, guys. And... Um, don't hesitate to reach out. Let us know if you like it, what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. We'd love to hear from you, and uh, we'll talk to you guys all soon. See ya.